Welcome to the SMC 2022 podcast. 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave an invitation that changed the world. Come, follow me. Today, we have the same invitation. Hey, this is Stephen Billings. I work with Stumo at the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Welcome to the SMC Breakout Podcast, The Test of True Belief. Really excited you guys are listening to it today. Now, maybe you're like me, your freshman year of college, like I was my freshman year of college. Maybe you're, you're probably cooler than I was. You probably made better grades than me my freshman year. But maybe, just maybe, you're like me in this one big spiritual question you have. Here was that question for me. Am I going to get into heaven? Now, you, you could say that another way. Maybe another way I was thinking it was, do I have a real relationship with God. I wasn't sure. I knew I was on the God team. I knew I was for God. I knew I loved God, intellectually especially. I believed the basics about Jesus and who he was, that he was God's son who died for our sins. But was I good? It worried me. Will I get into heaven or will I not? How do I know for sure? What I did not have was clarity. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to write that word down. Clarity. We need to have clarity in our relationship with Jesus. Think about a dating relationship with the opposite sex. When you don't have clarity, it's messy. You might get in fights. There will be tension. You know, let's say something like Valentine's Day rolls around. And if you don't have clarity in your relationship, what type of present am I supposed to get? Do I spend a lot of money? Do we not get presents because we're just friends and we're just talking and we're not there yet? It becomes awkward when we don't have clarity. We need clarity. We need to know where we stand relationally with another person. And it's the same with God. We need that clarity. Now, look at what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. He said this, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Notice that phrase there in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Paul commands them to test themselves. Tests give us clarity. Tests show us what we actually know. You know, in school, of course, they show us how we're doing. In a sense, the numbers don't lie. Okay, think about tests. If you got a 10 on the ACT, you are not Harvard material. That's just reality. Maybe you could have gotten an 11. Maybe it would have gone down to a 9. Either way, you're not getting into Harvard. If you got a 35, man, you are a smart person. The debate is over. The tests don't lie. In a way, the numbers don't lie, right? If you got a 35, you must be smart. I remember shortly after college, I was trying to get in shape and gain muscle really for the first time in a long time. And, and I was frustrated with my results because no matter how much I lifted weights, I really didn't seem to be getting any stronger. And then one day, my friend Jared began to teach me about gaining muscle. And he told me, hey, Stephen, the numbers do not lie. He asked me how much protein I was eating. And I said, oh, I don't know. I think a lot. I drink protein shakes sometimes. I try to eat a lot of meat. And he goes, nope, you don't know the numbers. You got to add those protein grams up. I needed to take the test. I needed to see how much protein I was eating. When I started eating more protein for the first time in my life, I actually started gaining muscles. I began to have clarity because I took the test and I calculated the numbers. How much protein am 
I eating? Now, we want to take a test spiritually for ourselves. And the great part about getting taking a test is, is it brings you clarity. You know, I know this material or I don't. And so that's why we want to take a test spiritually. It can give us clarity on where we are in our relationship with God. It can give us confidence. I want you to think about these two questions. Feel free to pause the podcast for a minute if you want to ponder them or take some notes. The first one, why do you think it's important to test your own faith? Why is it important for us to test our own faith? And the second one is this, who has the right to judge your life? Who has the right really to give you a spiritual test? Does God do other people or is it you? Is it all three? Is it one or two of those? Who has the right to judge your life in your heart and really give you a spiritual test like Paul told us? Is it God? Is it others? Or is it you? If you need a moment, pause, take that test. Think about that for a minute. Who has the right to judge your life? Well, you know, God has the right to judge us. God will judge us. Other people do not. I cannot judge your faith. I cannot judge my best friend's faith. It's not for me to do. It's not my place. You also can judge your own life. You can give yourself a test, but that's between you and God. Stumo can't judge it. Your church can't judge it. Your friends can't judge it. Only you can give yourself this test. And for me, that's reassuring. I'm not here to please other people and make them think I have a great faith. I want to have a faith between me and God that's real and that lasts. In fact, look at what Hebrews 4.12 says. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. God's word, God judges us, and we can take that test and see where we are. So today, we want to look at God's word and see if we can find clarity. And the first place we're going to start is with Jesus's words. Now, there are really two kinds of faith, according to Jesus, two categories of people who have faith. And back when Jesus lived, there was so much confusion. Maybe you're tempted to think, oh, it's, it's 2021, and today it's harder to understand faith. But in Jesus's time, People were all about it, and everyone had faith. But that couldn't be further from the truth. There was tons of confusion, even among the spiritual leaders in Jesus' day. People argued about their faith because they were commonly confused. It was common then, and it's common now. Now, let's take a look at Jesus' words from Matthew 7, starting in verse 21. He says this, and I love this passage. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Now, in this passage, you can take a look at it in your Bible or on your laptop or on your phone, Matthew 7, 21 through 23. What's the thing that distinguishes those who say they believe and those who truly believe? What's the one thing that distinguishes those who say they believe with those who truly believe? Well, it's there in in verse 23. They know him. 
They know him. They have a genuine, true relationship with him. That's the distinguishing factor, according to Jesus. I recently had a talk with my son. One of his favorite football players, Patrick Mahomes, was on television. And in one of those behind-the-scenes mic'd-up clips, we heard him use some bad language. Now, my son is a big Patrick Mahomes fan, and so he was disappointed to hear that. And we had to sit and have a conversation about how there's a difference between knowing about somebody and actually knowing somebody. We know about Patrick Mahomes, the famous Super Bowl winning quarterback, but we don't know him. We don't know him well like like we know each other and like we know our best friends and like we can know God. Jesus is explaining to us he doesn't want you to claim something religiously or spiritually. He wants to know you. That's going to be the difference in someone who is in heaven and who is not, according to that passage. Do I really know him? Well, that's Jesus' words. Let's quickly take a look at the Apostle Paul's words. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul gives us a snapshot, again, just like Jesus, of two kinds of people. And we're going to look at these verses, starting in verse 19. There's two descriptions here. Now listen to this first type of person Paul describes. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. They won't go to heaven. They don't have a true relationship if they're really living like that. Now, when I first heard this passage in college, if you look at that paragraph 19 through 21 in chapter 5 of Galatians as a whole and say, does this describe my life? I would go, no way. Orgies? Witchcraft? No. I may have done some things I shouldn't have done, but orgies and witchcraft were not involved. This is not descriptive of me. But then I began to break the passage down. Sexual immorality. Hmm. Do I have lustful thought patterns? Yeah. Idolatry. Hmm. Do I put things before God? Yeah. Hatred. Man, I have some people that I strongly dislike, maybe even hate. Jealousy. Wow, I struggle with that. Selfish ambition. And as I began to break these down one to one, I realized almost all of them, witchcraft excluded, maybe described my life pretty well. Maybe I was that first person. But then look at the next couple of verses. Again, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 26. Paul says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified their flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. And as I looked at that list of the fruits of the Spirit, as Paul described it there, I thought, which one of these describes my life? Selfish, jealous, sexually immoral? Or was it love, joy, peace, goodness, self-control? And I began to wonder and be convicted, man, which one of these two passages more described my life? Now, as you look at that for you, what would be the question? Yes, of course, maybe not witchcraft and orgies, but as you look at those two passages as a whole, which is more descriptive of your life? It's a good test. It's a good thought to think through. What is the fruit of my life? Is there a trend 
of righteousness. Which one of those lists more describes me? Now, if you've ever seen or actually touched a real grenade in person, you know it is a heavy, durable, tank-like thing. It surprised me the first time I held a grenade how heavy, um, how intense it was. Now, this wasn't a live grenade, but it was a real grenade casing. And it was heavy. As a kid, I'd only held little plastic toy ones, of course. And so as an adult, as I held one, it was so imposing. Now, imagine someone brought what felt like and looked like a real grenade into the room with you. And this person was a little crazy. Like, it's your crazy friend. You're like, I don't know if I trust them or not. And let's say they bring this grenade in and and they're kind of acting crazy and they pull the pin out and they drop the grenade. If you really believe them that it's a live grenade, what would you do? Think about it. What would you do? Maybe you'd be a hero and jump on it. Maybe you'd pick it up and throw it. Maybe you'd run away. But if you believe it's a real grenade, you would do something. You would take action. You would obey your thoughts. In your beliefs, you would take action. If you, if you thought I'm a crazy person and I'm always pulling weird stunts and there's no way that's a real grenade, well, you might just sit there in inaction and go, wow, this guy's weird. But if you truly believed, you would take action. Now, we begin to see in these two passages from Jesus and from Paul, and we can see it in other places in the Bible, that if someone truly believes, they will begin to obey Jesus. They won't be perfect. Make no mistake. We're never perfect. We will always sin and have sin in our lives to a certain extent. But what is the fruit of my life? Is there a trend of righteousness? If we truly believe, just like with that grenade, we will take action. We will begin to pursue righteousness. Or in other words, pursue obeying Jesus and doing what he tells us to do and living like he tells us to live. Again, we will not be perfect. Let me make it go out of my way here to make it perfectly clear. You cannot be good enough to get into heaven. You cannot do enough good works to get right with Jesus or or be in a right relationship with him. You cannot go to church enough. You cannot read your Bible enough. You cannot avoid sin enough. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul tells us this clearly. He says, we are not saved by our works, by the good things that we have done, but rather we go to heaven through faith. And if we have that faith, we will be able to take that test ourselves and begin to look at ourselves and say, what is the trend of my life? Now, we're going to look at one more author from the book of 1 John. We're going to look at what John says. He also shows us two kinds of faith. We're going to look at chapter 1 and chapter 2. So chapter 1 in 1 John, verses 6 and 7, really 5, 6, and 7, he says this, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, and we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son purifies us from all sin. There's two kinds of people. Those who say they have real faith and those who actually have real faith. The difference we see in that passage, they walk in the light, meaning they begin to obey him. They're trying to pursue him. Same thing in chapter two. He actually says it throughout the whole book. He says this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Okay, how do we know if we know him? If we keep his commands. Continuing on, verse four of chapter two. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, 
Love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Again, make no mistake, we don't have to live perfectly to get into heaven. But what is the trend of my life? That's really our test that we see not only from Jesus, not only from Paul, but also from John. We see the same idea over and over as our test questions. What is the trend of my life? Am I actually pursuing him? Am I striving to obey him? Do I have a love for him in my heart? Now, I can't judge that because I would just be judging your works. I can't look into my best friend's life and judge him, even if I spend all my time with him because he could be faking things for me. We don't earn our way to heaven. Only you know your own heart and only you know where you are. And looking at your life like these three passages describe can give us an indication for ourselves and help us take that test. An analogy that I heard years ago that I love for the same idea as the question, who sits on the throne? Who sits on the throne of my life? Is it me or is it Jesus? If it's me, I'll make decisions that feel good for me, sinful or righteous. If it's Jesus, I will strive to obey him. I will not be perfect. I will continue to mess up because I am a mortal man. But if he sits on the throne, I will begin to have a trend of righteousness in my life. We know deep down in our heart who sits on the throne and who's in charge. Not if we're perfect, but who are we living for? And on the throne of our life and our own life's kingdom, who sits there? Is it Jesus or is it you? Now, again, just one more time, I want to reiterate in case you're listening to this podcast and you haven't been around the Bible a whole lot, you can't earn your way to heaven. And not only that, no one else can judge you. Your friends can't judge you. As we saw in Hebrews chapter 4, God is the judge and we're, and we're judged by his word. He is the one who judges us. I hope you'll take a minute to go back through those passages and really evaluate today. Where am I in a relationship with Jesus? Have I jumped all in and put him on the throne of my life? What's the indication as I give myself the test that no one else can? What's the indication? Have I done that? Where is my heart and where are my actions and what do they show me? I hope you take that test yourself. I want to recommend a couple books to you. If you're finding this podcast interesting and you want to think more about this topic in your own heart and sort of continue to take the test. Two books I love are Follow Me by David Platt. And he walks through exactly what we've talked about today. Where is my heart? So Follow Me by David Platt. And another great one is Not a Fan by Kyle Eidelman. Not a Fan by Kyle Eidelman. Look those up on Amazon, wherever. Google them. Buy those books. Obviously talk to a friend and have them help you process through this test. They can't judge, but if they're walking with Jesus, they can help you look in the scriptures and examine your own heart. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast for an SMC breakout on the test of true belief. You can find all the other breakout sessions on Apple and Spotify.